Hi, my name is Judith, also known as Jay. And I'm Elizabeth, but you can call me Bleggy. And we are The Fit, the podcast where we talk about developments in fashion tech and innovation in retail. Now Jay and I are looking at taking the fashion world by storm and solving some of e-commerce's big problems. We also take you on our journey as we build eFitter, a tech company focused on personalising the shopping experience for the modern woman. To keep up to date with the latest episodes, subscribe to The Fit Podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would also like to keep you posted on all things eFitter, so do follow us on socials at eFitter app and join the conversation using the hashtag TheFitPod. This is our 60 second roundup where we try to summarise what is going on in the world of fashion and tech in 60 seconds. It's fashion week season and the relationship between fashion and tech appears more intertwined than ever. Tech companies such as Klarna, Google and Amazon are sponsoring presentations, supporting iconic catwalk moments and streaming celeb, crazed and highly acclaimed runway shows. The increase in visibility shows an underlying partnership that could spin fashion away from traditional practices and into the new status quo. Over the past decade, we've seen a lot of new trends surface, the most lucrative of all being social media and influencer marketing. Valued at $8 billion in 2019, the influencer marketing economy is expected to grow to almost double in value by 2022. We look forward to seeing what the influencer marketing industry looks like in 10 years time, and whether the growth has been sustainable as the market matures. Today we are here with Frederica Brooksworth, who is also known as the fashion educator on Instagram. She really is her pseudonym, she lives up to her name. So a fashion marketing lecturer and researcher at the London College of Fashion. Um, Her goal is to educate everyone on the world of fashion, what's going on today. And I guess today we want to enroll in a lesson with her. So Frederica, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is a really interesting article that we were reading um, on Vogue, um, talking about the influencer marketing industry. And I think it's very interesting to see how we have developed in terms of social media in general and also in terms of marketing. Um, I think now the influencer market is worth about $8 billion um, and it's set to double um, by 2022. And I wanted to ask you, why do you think that is? Why do you think we are in this or at this point where the influencer marketing is taken, I guess, over? I think it's because we're in this sort of space where it's all about um, transparency and authenticity, um, where people now are just like, okay, they want to buy products, but it's all about who can we trust? So an example is whenever I go shopping, I take a picture and I always ask my friends, what do you think about this? Do you think I should buy this? Or it's a case of before I buy a product, especially when it comes to skincare, the first thing I do before I buy a product is I go on YouTube and I go and look for tons of reviews to see what it looks like, you know, and I, I, I normally kind of go through the process of seeing, okay, when the person applies it, when they use it, but then also looking at how it's had an impact on their skin, like a month later or two months later. And for us, I think it's all about um, just trusting a brand and I think we trust brands when 
somebody has essentially, you know, given it a thumbs up and said, yeah, it's good. You know, I recommend this and so forth. And influencer marketing, it ties back to word of mouth. Now, word of mouth is the most successful marketing tool. It will never die down. It's something that people will constantly always fall back on. And there are so many different types of word of mouth. I think with like influencer marketing, we kind of give it the whole title of like e-word of mouth. So like e one, like, um, electronic word of mouth and I think with influencer marketing you know it stems from the whole celebrity endorsement sort of um era but now with influencers it's essentially regular people who have a platform and they've built a following um, and a community and for many consumers they feel as if they can relate to these influencers so from people that essentially look like them um, and kind of live lives essentially similar to them, if they are recommending a product, it seems as if, okay, that person's actually trustworthy. So why not buy a product that they recommend? And again, influence, they always have this thing like product codes and, you know, percentages off and stuff like that. And people love bargains, you know, people always love like a, li- a little gift and stuff. So I think that's essentially like, like how we've gotten here and why we're here as well. I think that's a really interesting point because you mentioned word of mouth and the whole idea of taking a picture and sending it to a friend and that's exactly what I do but I've never really thought of it as influencer marketing because I like you know I'm going shopping and I'm like sending a um, direct message on Instagram or whatever I don't think of it as an influence I don't think of my friends as influencers Mm -hmm. like no shade to them but they aren't the big picture celebrity endorsement Mm -hmm. so I guess my question is, what, why do you think that we're moving away from the bloggers and the coupon codes and so on and so forth? Because I'd say at the start of last decade, that was huge. But now it's more so, hey, what do you think of this outfit from the people you actually know? Yeah, I think, can I be honest with you? There's just too much. There are so many influences. And it's like, who is genuine? We have this, like, personally with me, I don't actually follow influencers. Um, I don't know if it's because I constantly, I live and breathe marketing. So I kind of know, like, what's genuine and what's not. And no one can really sell to me. But I think um, the main thing is that we, everyone's an influencer. Anyone can be an influencer. And I feel like people are doing it for the wrong reasons because they want to become famous. They want the blue tick next to their name um, on Instagram. And what's happening now is that consumers are seeing right through this. Like, we're not silly. People are seeing right through it. And also, I think also it becomes a bit too much when somebody's post is always about promoting something. And then also, people also when you study an influencer and you look at their posts, when they're literally promoting so many products from different categories as well, you start to think, okay, what are, what's your actual interest? What do you actually um, stand for? And stuff like that. An example I'll give you is like um, vegan influencers, for instance. They have um, the reason why they're still like doing really well is because that they have a, they have a focus so their focus will be promoting this healthy lifestyle so for them i think most people will continue to follow them right however you have influencers who maybe dabble into so many different things so it could be that you're talking about fast fashion one day but then you're speaking about sustainable fashion um but then you are promoting um I don't know, like random makeup and then chocolates. And it's like all of these things. And you start to think to yourself, like, 
are you doing this because you really care about your audience and really care about, you know, giving them the right information or are you doing it just for a check? And I think now a lot of people have gone like we've really we've just passed passed um, by that and we're no longer sort of like buying into just influencers telling us what to do because it just doesn't seem genuine and authentic. And authentic is the is the key word here. I was just doing some research about three weeks ago before a lecture and because it's getting towards the end of term and I've been looking into marketing trends for 2020 because there's going to be a huge shift. It's like us discussing now influencer marketing. It's going to change tremendously. And one of the trends were new consumer behavior. And what it means is that consumers essentially are changing now. We can no longer predict what consumers want to do. Their buying behavior is no longer the same. The way they think is no longer the same. Consumers now may want to buy today, but then they may choose to buy, um, they may choose not to buy for another six months. We had the whole Black Friday um, thing happening where normally Black Friday, since we started in the UK, it would literally be, okay, Black Friday on that last um, Friday of the month after Thanksgiving, and those would be the sales. And then we'd have Cyber Monday. But because of consumers and the way like people's buying behavior um, has changed, if you notice, Black Friday started like the sales started like two weeks before and they're still going. People are doing like Cyber Week now. And I was like, wow, Cyber Monday has gone to Cyber Week now. It's just changed um, dramatically. Um, and I just feel like, yeah, now there's just too many influencers. We really don't know who is genuine, um, who's not. Um, a lot of people are doing it for vanity purposes, for a check and stuff and consumers are just no longer buying into it at all the whole idea of a general pool of influencers advertising the same perfumes and the same clothing the same brands it gets too much for consumers and it takes us back to this whole idea of user generated content and one thing that i think me and bleggy are actually like looking into in terms of user especially in fashion what do they want like not what do I think they want? Like, what do they actually want? And I feel like social media has just led to an influx of so much choice. And it's so general, it's not specific. Obviously you have Instagram ads and you have things and you seem to think, oh my God, they must be listening to my conversation because it's so specific. But at some point with the influencers, so scary. (laughs) But at some point with the influencers, it's just, there's been like a discord from the people that follow them and from what they're trying to sell and from the brands. Um, In terms of the evolution from that, do you think that this is the new beginning of like user-generated content? Yeah, for me, I think it's not that it's new. I think it's just coming back and um, I think it's coming back slightly sort of like changed. So if we remember like user-generated content, it's been out for years and years, but it's just only a few brands were doing it really well. So an example we'll take is Burberry. They started doing Art of the um, Trench. Um, As we know, Burberry, like their star product is the trench coat. That's what they're known for after developing um, the fabric gardening for um, the soldiers during the World War. And, um, you know, it's something that they're known for pretty much worldwide. It's um, a product that is targeted to literally every age group, from children to young women to um, elderly men. Pretty much anyone and everyone will wear a Burberry um trench coat and it's something that it won't go out of fashion if that makes any sense as well and they had a platform after the trench where they would encourage 
their customers to actually take pictures of themselves and they would actually post it on their website. So they had a micro site um, dedicated for the trench coats. Um, and that was really great because you would go on there and you'd actually look at images. There would be people wearing it in Japan, in the UK, in the States, um, in like Eastern Europe. It was amazing. And it was great to see how many people would like style it in different ways. It was great to also see like the different types of people that would wear it and stuff. And it was also just like a source of inspiration as well. And it, and it was, you know, it was a huge success. And then we also look at ASOS. So ASOS also did this thing like as seen on me. And then what it would be is that when you, whenever you, do you remember what, what they used to do? Yeah, yeah, where they had the um, like the re, the repo, not repo, exactly. Yes, yeah, but essentially the same. Yeah, thing. So it's like if you buy a product and then you could actually see other people that have bought the product and worn it as well. So that was also a great way to also encourage people to also buy the product because it would say, okay, I'm like an example. I'll give you is that. I'm a size six. However, I would see the item um, being worn by many different women from different backgrounds, different body shapes. And it was just so beautiful to see it just sort of like being quite real. Because sometimes I'm not going to lie, like even being a size six, I see models wearing it on um, when you look at the videos and stuff. And when I buy it, I'm like, it doesn't look like that on me. So, you know, it's nice and encouraging to see how, um, you know, see how other real people like images that have not been like photo touched or a filter hasn't been added to it, it hasn't been airbrushed and you just get to see for what the product is like what it is um, and I think now a lot of brands are seeing the value in user-generated content but I think for me it's really just probably understanding how to actually go about doing it so I think the damaging thing could be just forcing your users to do things and it could come across as just being really forced um it just doesn't look realistic so I think it's all about being strategic and thinking okay well who is your I think also brands need to understand who their target audience is before they actually dabble into user-generated content that's the most important thing as well and personally I don't think user-generated content is going to be relevant for all brands um it's like influencer marketing it's not relevant for all brands that's the honest truth as well so yeah what, what I find interesting about that is when you mention user-generated content, the first kind of brands I think of are fast fashion brands because you go on any fast fashion website and you just see all of these pictures of people posting their stuff on Instagram. Likewise, those brands are the brands with the highest proliferation of influencers. Yeah. So I'm starting to think, okay, is this actually the most effective form of marketing? Because let's say I were to go on a best-selling fast fashion brand, I've already got a 30% off discount code and everything is 50% off <laughs> and there's an influencer offering 20% off and there is like a, a bar at the bottom showing people wearing all of their different outfits. It just ends up being a little bit overwhelming. So in terms of fast fashion brands, where do you see that going? Do you think we're still going to have the Love Island winners um, being rewarded with endorsements oh, right. of ex yeah. with every single um, fast fashion brand? Because... Um, or do you think that it's going to progress to more specific, more targeted marketing strategies? So this is a difficult one because it's like with fast fashion brands, they base it based, literally based on consumers, consumer behavior and what's actually popular, what's actually happening. If we look at it last year, like this year, sorry, Love Island was huge. Like it was unexpected. I'm not even going to lie to you. I started watching Love Island last year and we saw we saw how it worked last year where misguided um they did like it was kind of like the first time it was done where misguided provided all the um 
clothes for the girls in the dinner. And it was a huge success. Like they instantly sold out on products. Um, the money they made from it was just absolutely outrageous. And I think from that case study alone, so many brands saw how popular um, it would be. So if you notice this year, it was the brand I saw at first. And many people were like, who the hell was that? I've never heard of that brand. But that brand, they took the opportunity to um, say, well, Love Island is going to be huge. Let's capitalize on it you know, let's bid for the, you know, let's, you know, put in a pitch, let's, you know, make a bid and hopefully get, um, you know, the contract to have the girls wearing our clothes. I mean, we've seen now where you've had people leave the islands. I think it's Ovi who got the contract was like um, £900,000. Like Molly Mays had, I think, two edits now. Just I think it was just like yesterday or a couple of days ago, she had her Christmas edit drop we've had amber who has had two um edits um drop since love island and the thing is people are buying it because it's the young consumers like gen z they are literally buying into these products and i think if shows like love island continue to be popular then these fast fashion brands will continue to win now i think where it will probably where things might may change is that there will be selected fast fashion brands that will continue to um, be on the top. So if we look at it now, Misguided are not really doing as well um, as they were previously. And to be fair, that's their own fault. They should not have gotten into that thing with Kim Kardashian and trying to copy what it is wearing because they went into a lawsuit. I mean, $2 million or £2 million, like, it's just is it really worth it just to like show people, oh, hey, we can copy this and we'll have it up like in, you know, 24 hours and stuff like that. They've had to shut down all their physical stores. Like, you know, it's, it's just, it just doesn't make sense. Um, So for me, I feel like there is going to be a lot of change. Now we're going to see fast fashion brands continue to try and remain, um, you know, like at the forefront of the industry and stuff. But I think it is going to get to um, a sort of place where some of them are going to sort of like die down. I think there may also be a change in terms of um, clothing. I think what might be next personally for these Love Island um, like winners will probably be beauty contracts because beauty is a growing, growing trend beauty and skincare that is something people like with me you best I will spend hundreds of pounds on quality skincare I will I will do it and I will not I will do my research and if I know that this thing is going to work if I've seen that it's going to work you best believe that yeah I'm definitely going to spend tons of money on it and if you think about it now when the girls are in the island people are always like oh like how did you do your makeup and stuff like that like, I mean like this year, when we saw you one day with like the lace front wigs, like so for, for many black girls, it was like, oh my gosh, like who made your wig? Who did this for you? You know, and it was quite um, encouraging. I feel like that probably will be in the next trend because I think people want to be quite conscious of like sustainable fashion in terms of actual physical products. I think might, what might happen next moving forward will be the sort of like hair and beauty um sort of like um collaborations so if it, if that is maybe i'm psychic that might work if it works um next year play this back and be like oh i said this 
It's so funny that you say that because I was having the same conversation with a friend the other day and I actually think it's going to go a step further. I think it's going to go even beyond hair and beauty and skincare and looking at non-invasive surgeries because I don't know if you've noticed on the high street, it's crazy. Like you see, you can walk into a super drug and probably get Botox or something. Like that's where we're moving at the moment. So I think we're probably going to get to a point where surgery that doesn't require you to go over the knife or modifications to your face or your teeth or whatever, they're going to be the new endorsements. So that's my prediction. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I think it's definitely still going to be um, like to do with the self. Definitely. I definitely do agree that it is, it will move into these areas, but oh, let's wait and see. There's a new season starting in January. So yeah. Just off the back of what you were saying regarding consumers and the Gen Z versus um, millennials in terms of what marketing we respond to, because I'm not going to lie, I watched Love Island because of the hype, but I didn't buy one thing (laughs) from these girls' edits. Like, I didn't. I I appreciate the hustle. I'm not their target market, that's clear. But one thing I'm starting to notice in a trend, I don't really know if it's really a Gen Z thing or a millennial thing, but we're more savvy. I think that's the word. Like consumers are more savvy. We're more aware. You even mentioned um, sustainability. We're more conscious. We want to know, is this sustainable? How can I be sustainable? How can I buy sustainable? But how do you see the industry capitalizing, I guess, off of consumers wanting to know more and be more? See, sustainability is... It can be a really tricky one because we kind of have like the different sort of groups when it comes to sustainability. So we've got people that are like activists in regards to not just sustainable fashion, but living a sustainable lifestyle in general. So for me, I love those people because they're not just talking about just clothing. They're literally it's a lifestyle for them they're speaking about how we need to live sustainable and more sustainably in terms of like our everyday um like you know what it is that we do everyday activities that we do things that we eat um how we live and so forth then i feel like there is a whole trend of people trying to be sustainable because it looks quite fashionable now and very trendy um then you have an area where it's like a lot of people are still not sure what's happening when it comes to sustainable fashion as well. I think when I've spoken to her, because I always have this debate with my students and I love to have discussions in class and ask them um, their thoughts on it because they are the future, essentially. They are the consumers that will literally spend £500 on a pair of trainers and stuff like that. Um, And I ask them, okay, like, what about sustainable fashion and stuff? And none of them say, well, the thing is, when they see sustainable fashion, they don't feel like it's fashionable enough. So they just see it as like blue jeans, khaki trousers, a white t-shirt and so forth. And then you also have a group of people who say that sustainable fashion isn't affordable. So it's very quite tricky in this area to see like how it's going to actually be implemented. Personally, I do feel like it will get to a place where we will become, I think, you know, there's, it's going to have to, we're going to have to become sustainable, whether we like it or not. Um, and I always, I also kind of just think back and I always had this discussion, especially when I have like, cause I teach many international students and I have like the odd, um, home student, um, in my class and they're like, Oh, but you know, like, how is it going to work out? Because look at the high street and stuff. And I said, well, can I be honest with you? I said 20 years ago, boohoo, misguided. I said, these things did not exist. I said like, 
many years ago, we were buying we were buying stuff from Net from Marks and Spencers, we didn't really consume as much. If you think about it, we did not really consume as much. You would literally have a wardrobe, a staple products in your wardrobe, and you'd maybe just like during summer, you'd have your summer stuff, you'd have your winter stuff. You'd probably have like two jackets, your jacket that you'd wear to church, your jacket that you'd wear to school. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you know what I mean? Like you'd, you'd literally have like your going out clothes, your home clothes, like you'd have these set pieces and the only time you would essentially sort of like change, um, you'd like buy new clothes is if you were growing yep. out. <laughs> and I feel like it, I think it's consumers, to be fair. Like, you know, I feel like it's just consumers, it's celebrities, you know, it's culture. That's the thing. It's culture. Culture has made um, things change. Culture has, has actually made people become less sustainable because it's not like we were literally in the space of, I could never re- remember being able to go out and um, buy a, a dress for four pounds, which you can do on Misguided. I never remember being able to do that. You could never do that. Even when Primark came, it was like, oh my gosh, you remember when Primark first came to the UK? Everyone was like, wow, like, is this even possible? Is this real? Is it right? Like, it, you know, because we, we, didn't, we didn't grow up on these things. And I think it's just culture. Now, if we look at um, even the media, if we look at TV, if we look at, um, you know, pop culture, music, if even, I'm not being funny, even when we look at the fashion industry, we are notorious for promoting sustainability. But look at what is in the magazines. Every single month, every single week, magazines are showcasing, this is what you need to buy. This is a new trend that's in and stuff like that. People want to keep up with what's happening. So for me, it's not just about saying, okay, well, our products, it's, if we're going to make, if we're going to really get down to things and say, okay, we need to be really sustainable in fashion, then it even, it needs to go to the media as well. It cannot just be about what's in stores. It's what also is reflected in the media. So fashion week, what's happening during fashion week as well. Are we going to change the concept of that? Within education as well, we need to be educating our students, okay, to become more sustainable. That's something that I always speak about is that I feel across every um, course, they should be taught sustainability and um, three um, three main um, subjects, I believe, should be integrated in fashion um, education, should be sustainability, law and professional development. No matter what you study, whether you study fashion, communications, journalism, makeup, um, design, uh, marketing, these are three things that you need to know. And for me, until these things are implemented, then I don't really see there being a full impact. Massive fast fashion. Um, Fast fashion? I'm a massive sustainable fashion skeptic. Um, I I don't know if you've seen this actually, but there's um, an episode of the Patriot Act by Hassan Hassan Minhaj on Netflix where he's talking about fast fashion, and I think after watching that, I just yeah, I don't think I believe in sustainable fashion anymore just because I blame Instagram. We've got so much pressure to showcase a different outfit every time we go out. So I don't see how we could possibly be sustainable in the long term. And you know what is actually really interesting? I think there's a point that you made, Frederica, as well. It's a generational thing, because if you think back to the times when we were younger and we were going to church and we were going to school and we had the, that coat for church and a coat for school, our parents weren't going to buy for every every single drop there was. They, they weren't going to buy no a way. new outfit. There's no way. <laughs> that was the only time you'll see an influx in your wardrobe. But now, 
I, I wouldn't really say that it's consumers' fault, but I do feel like media, like you said, it doesn't help. I really love Zara and I love Inditex in terms of like the brand. But watching that episode that Elizabeth was talking about and finding out that <laughs> they said 88% of, I think, <laughs> you have to laugh, 88%, um, don't quote me because I don't, I don't think I'm completely right, but 88% of, I think, their manufacturing would be sustainable. Yeah. And then they now said only um, in Spanish factories. They said excluding international factories which is, which is where they make all their clothes excluding stores excluding shipments it so basically it's not sustainable and i was like ah oh, i'm really disappointed and at the same time i don't blame them they're big brands and at the end of the day they're making their money from being fast from being unsustainable but i do feel like the onus lies with the consumers the ones that understand why sustainability is important to actually take the steps. I think on that same episode, they said that if you were to hold on to your clothes for, I think, nine months longer, you would reduce your carbon footprint per garment by 30%. That's literally all it takes. So if individuals actually said, okay, you know what? I mean, it's a long shot, but if we all did collectively say, you know what, let's try and be more sustainable, we could, we could do it. We've spoken about um, how, unfortunately, consumers fall into the trap of, making purchases that aren't necessarily sustainable um, because of the pressure to keep up with the generation of now, now, now and showcasing garments on Instagram and so on. But I'd like to talk about the business impact. So I'm thinking about, um, again, going back to fast fashion brands, they've now made it very easy for you to keep buying clothes for every event for clothing to be disposable, not only because of the price point, but also because of companies like Klarna so for the people who are unaware, Klarna is a pay later service. So on a lot of fashion brands, you can make a purchase and pay for it later on. So um, as I'm sure you can imagine, that can be very controversial as it is effectively a credit facility. So if you miss that payment, then Your credit score. there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so it would be really interesting to hear your thoughts on um, in terms of fast or fashion brands in general, peddling the sustainability movement, but also facilitating purchases really, really quickly. How do we possibly reconcile that? Personally, I think that karma is just, it's like fast fashion is cheap enough as it is, right? Let's, let's, just, let's just keep it going. It's cheap as it is. Why are we having a payment system for it? Like, it's, for me, I'm just like, I don't like it only because it's just, number one as it is when if you young like young people don't even have like really secure jobs you know people are hustling now there's not a lot of money out there for a lot of people and it's like I feel like it gives people the excuse to actually buy more but then my issue is not even just in terms of buying it, it's about putting people in debt that's the issue because it's literally so addictive to just be able to go online and say well I can just buy this because I don't need to pay for it right now and I do my, the, my thing is that I just see how kind of I think, think about things it's like if you can't buy that item then and there just don't get the credit for it when it comes to, when it comes to clothing it's not worth it and I just always think do you really need it 
because I'm not against getting stuff like and stuff out on credit, especially like I always encourage people like it's good to be able, especially if you're young and maybe like you've like finished university and you're looking to build up your credit. A lot of people don't realize that a good thing is, you know, getting a credit card, just using it for travel and literally paying it back. That's how I started building up my credit. I literally had a credit card that I'd used just for my fuel. And I use it basically as an Oyster card and for fuel in my car. And um, all I literally would do, as soon as I tapped in with um, and purchased something with it, I'd literally the money transfer the money back onto that card. And I did it just to build up my credit score because I had no credit just being like someone that was very young. But for me, I feel like it's not really, um, I, it's just not good at all because then I feel like it just causes other issues. Now we're seeing a lot of young people there's a lot of if we if we look around us, there's a lot of issues with like mental um health um issues and stuff like that. There's a lot of peer pressure on people having to buy stuff, having to do all of these things. And for businesses, the honest truth is that they just want to make money. That's the honest truth. For them, it's all about making money. If it doesn't make money, it just doesn't make sense to them. So they don't really see it from the point of view as Oh, we really need to think how it would impact families, how it's going to have an impact on people that may not be able to afford it. You know, it's just I just don't think it's a good thing at all. I'm I'm actually against it. I'd never recommend anybody getting Klarna to purchase clothing because fast fashion it, itself is not that expensive. It's not expensive, not even that expensive. It's not expensive in comparison to other clothing. So, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm not for it. And business, I don't think it's... I just don't think it's right, to be honest. It's very wrong. And I feel like the main problem I have with it personally is a lot of the girls that be shopping on Boohoo or they're cheap enough as it is. Half of these tops are like £6. Dresses for £5 and under. (laughs) And there's still a Klarna option. Why? Like, why? Just just buy it. I, I just find that it's very detrimental, especially for young girls. A lot of people, like, at that age, I did not understand what credit was. I didn't understand what a credit score was. Yeah. And I didn't care, to be perfectly honest. And if I had the option for Klarna, I would have been absolutely finished. I know for a fact, because my spending habits were terrible. So... Exactly, but exactly that, and then you know this. And my thing is that I find it so worrying how easy it is to actually get credit these days. It's so so wild that credit is literally available to anyone and everyone it's so easy to get credit now so easy and i feel like we weren't at that age we weren't educated enough for this i didn't like we didn't have lessons in finance we had math lessons (laughs) we were learning about geometry i don't know why but we didn't have lessons in finance and money management for example and i feel like these are important if you want to take out credit do it but know what you're doing first like is is a lot but in in fashion uh, yeah i i agree with you i'm not really a fan i don't think it's really fair i don't think it's fair to put pressure on young girls our boys to be buying things just because they can and not because they actually want to or need to thank you so so much federica for joining us for this episode more than welcome thank you for having me it was fun for anyone listening you can follow frederica on instagram at the fashion educator and also get yourself over to an event if you can i have been to one with a massive tech company and it was awesome so if you are interested in learning more about fashion marketing digital marketing content business any of that get yourself over to an event yes